follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a mega powerful episode of the Four Corners Podcast. I'm here tonight. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad, and this is what we've been talking about for a while. Guys, are you ready? So, Shad, did you do the snappy fingers double guns when you did that? I did. Pew pew finger guns. (laughs) Or if you want the Reddit meme, zoop zoop. Um, (laughs) I did. I I was feeling it, man. We're here, and uh, are you guys feeling mega powerful tonight? The mega powerfulist? I'm kind of feeling more like the mega bucks right now. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I forgot. Well, we'll get into it when we get into that whole thing. But I forgot that they that the WWE back in the day was prone to doing those like wacky names for stuff. They yeah. always like, name they- their teams. It couldn't just be Teddy Biasi yeah. and Andre the Giant. I was even shocked by that too. The mega powers is like, all right, that's kind of cool. But the mega buff, the mega bucks, like, really? But uh, whatever. Like, we'll get to it. It's all yeah. in the all part of the discussion tonight. Sure thing. All righty. So we are going to be talking about the mega powers tonight. I think tonight we're actually talking about the lead in. So there's a build to this, and we'll continue on with it. But a couple of things we need to do. First of all, <clears throat> We need to uh, tell you guys that we are Collar and Elbow Affiliates, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. You've heard us talk about it before. If you haven't, they're good quality shirts. They're comfortable. They're well-made. They're not super expensive. Uh, it's a company started by Al Snow, and it's it's just excellent. It's excellent. So if you use the promo code 4 Podcast. That's the number four, capital C in corners, capital P in podcast with no spaces. You can get 10% off of your order. And the other thing that we need to do, well, Matt Matt knows what we need to do. So what do we need to do? We need to give a shout out to the man himself, Epico Cologne. We do. Um, Epico was not on Super Saudi Showdown or whatever it was called. Right. Um, and I doubt he's going to be on Stomping Grounds, but he should be. He should be on all these shows. He should be. We want to. But see he won't him. be. He won't be because they have 83 people that they don't use on any given week. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, and if very, we do get slip. If you can't slip into a 50 man battle royal, you've kind of got no hope. But it's okay because we got Shane McMahon, and we got Baron Corbin, and that's yes. really all we need, right? Yay. Hey, Shane McMahon needs all of that TV time because what are you going to do with it otherwise? Have wrestling on it? <laughs> Who'd have thunk, right? Yes, it's, Who'd it's thunk? awful. We don't uh, use that word, Brad, so I'm afraid you're going to have to leave the podcast. You're... 
I'm hanging my head in shame right now. <laughs> best of luck in your future endeavors. Where's that my... was on the list of words you can't use. I've got a VHS copy of Beyond the Mat here somewhere. It's a, we don't do wrestling. We make movies, pal. He's that... got a puke. <laughs> He's got... That's actually He's... my favorite part. He's I was actually, a... I was actually thinking. Puke. It's got to make good think... shit. I was actually thinking like Pee Wee's Playhouse, like the word of the day and everyone in the WWE <laughs> starts screaming. <laughs> oh, you know what? We ought to treat, tweet that to Bray Wyatt and see if it happens on a Firefly Funhouse. I just want Lawrence Fishburne to stop by dressed as a cowboy on the Funhouse. <laughs> Oh shit! What was his name on that too? Cowboy like, Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yep. All right. So anyway, we are doing we are doing our series on the Mega Powers. Uh, I believe we have this slated for three episodes. I'm thinking it might draw into four, depending on how it goes. Um, we've watched up to a certain point and there's quite a bit of stuff out there and i think the promos have made it more interesting but we'll see as that goes and um if you want to leave feedback you can leave it on facebook you can um instagram it or tweet it to us we will read those on the air as part of the last episode i would love to hear some of this i'd love to hear what you guys think um now one thing we should do I know for our plethora of younger listeners out there, because we have just so, so many, I think. I don't know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we might need to clarify who the Mega Powers were. Matt, how would you describe the Mega Powers? Uh, they're a conglomeration of two of the biggest wwf because that's what it was back then uh-huh. uh wwf stars of the 1980s indeed i like how it's immortal hulk hogan <laughs> in the macho man really savage yeah teaming up one together yeah doing this together Ooh, yeah um or as hogan had a great line for it it was the teaming of the mania and the madness. That's a good line. That's a good line. So, Brad, you kind of masterminded this. Why don't you talk to us about where we're starting from on this retrospective? Okay, so um, I started plotting this out. And then I kind of kept going backwards and backwards because I felt like you kind of needed the journey to the angle because... Randy Savage kind of goes through a lot of change in the lead up to this and and his change is kind of important to the kickoff of them forming. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to well, we're going to go a little before WrestleMania three, because I realized as I was watching this stuff that there is a little context going into WrestleMania three that needs to be gone over real quick. But that's that's a quickie. Well, why don't you gonna, oh, go so ahead? I'm sorry. So what we're going to do is this episode, we're going to go from pretty much WrestleMania 3 to the Saturday night's main event in October where they kind of officially start teaming up. So that's what tonight is going to be. All right. So, <clears throat> as you said, this started from, uh, from Mania 3. This is, at least in the circles I run in, 
one of the most recommended or well-known uh, matches that exist, right? This is this is, I mean, just for how uh, big, how important, you know, big matches. This is one that people talk about a lot. I would say at this point in the WWF's history, it's arguably the best match that's ever been in the promotion, or at worst, the third best match. It depends where you would rate this at the time. Would depend on how much you like the. Sergeant Slaughter versus Pat Patterson back alley brawl or the Sergeant Slaughter Iron Sheik boot camp match. Okay. And I would say it's arguably it's arguably the best match until you start getting into like the Bret Hart era and you start getting like those high in the 90s and start getting those like really good matches on stuff. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, there'd been a there'd been a fair amount of change um going forward. Yeah, and I, felt, I felt like the the WWF back then had it had good matches at least because there was emotion and but it was very like formulaic and nobody really did a whole lot. If that makes sense, it's it's always shocked me going back to like the seventies and the eighties, like how um, dumbed down and like crappy. Uh, New York wrestling was. It was pretty dumbed down. I mean, they they did have like a, a slower style, which if you watch enough wrestling, because I think we all have, like you can appreciate some of it. But uh, it was it it could be very very slow and, and prodding and plotting. Sorry, it's, yeah, it, it could get very boring. Like if you had really charismatic people like Bruno doing it, uh, it could it could work because. Even doing something like simple, like a bear hug spot, or just like a punch or something like that, he would add like a lot to it, and he would add so much emotion, and the crowd was so much into it that it could kind of hype you up. But if you're getting like uh, Johnny Rods versus like uh, Jose Luis Rivera, whatever, whoever, 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 like one of those guys was that ultimately became like one of the conquistadors. Like if he had something like that, and they would throw those on there, like they would have like a msg card or like a boston garden show and it'd be something like that it would be I like was, Sal- salvatore Bolomo versus uh no i was Bro- thinking Brooklyn of the brawler and, i was thinking of the infamous like if you watch one in the late 70s or if you watch enough shows in the late 70s like you're gonna get this on a show for like 20 minutes and it's sd jones versus baron mickles Sakluna. Yeah. yeah and it's just yeah like, you would get that oh, just kill me now yeah I have to, you know, I have to give them credit that, yeah, in this time frame, you're not seeing, uh, for lack of a better term, awesome work rate stuff. But I do have to, you know, I have to give them credit because the guys, I have talked about in the past doing more with less. They did that just fine. They didn't have to do much more than what they did um, on TV and stuff. They... You know they busted out more for the uh, for the pay per views, but you know props to them for being able to do it. So, and and he needs special mention because I hate him so much. But um, Chief J Strongbow has a special place in my oh my god. I for... actually w- I actually was just gonna chime in and say that you and I are the same wavelength because he was. I've never seen a good match that he's been in. I don't think I've ever no. seen a good match that he's been in. He was terrible. 
He's awful. I think he was Honky Tonk Man's least favorite person, and that's saying quite a lot. I will say the funniest thing I ever saw was like a shark cage match with him and someone, and he does like the Chief J like Hulk up in like this tiny shark cage with this guy, and it was kind of hilarious. But that match was awful. I will say the the funniest. The best thing that he's ever been in, and just because it was kind of unintentionally hilarious, was that. Do you remember uh, in the in the early '90s when they were feuding IRS with Tatanka, and Tatanka or yeah, IRS took his yeah headdress. yeah Chief Chief Gay Strongbow was giving um, Tatanka like the headdress, and IRS like uh, he like beat the shit out of Chief Jay Strongbow and like tore up the feathers, <laughs> and it's just Tatanka standing in front of like a broken and battered chief j strongbow and he's like why why would you pay the gift tax yeah he didn't pay the gift tax irs was right (laughs) man that man needed to pay his taxes that's that's yeah that's god that's such a heel (laughs) that's such some brilliance to the irs gimmick there is yeah well i mean vince looked at him like you know, I hate taxes. We ought to have a, a tax guy that everybody hates. And everyone's like, yeah, I, I hate taxes too. Move the piss out of that guy. And then that messed, messed the guy up so much that his son turned into Bray Wyatt. So um. so the interesting thing with um, this match too is it actually has a really strong angle behind it, which sometimes with WWF TV didn't quite get. So they had a match on Superstars some number of months before this where Savage, like, used the ring bell and, like, crushed Steamboat's larynx, and he, like, sold the hell out of it. Oh, and yeah. And they would do, like, weekly updates. And this actually was while Savage was feuding with George the Animal Steel, but also, like, in the aftermath, like, Bruno San Martino got mad at him, so this led to, like, Savage and San Martino having matches, uh, which didn't, like, show up in this, but then you have, like... George the Animal Steel showing up in this match and, like, paying off... Well, not paying off their angle, but, like, furthering their angle, which had been going on since before Mania 2. Like, there was just a lot, like, going into this match. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Look, if if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know Mania 3, you do. You just probably don't realize it. Or uh, you, you really... Just you should. Um, I'm not going to say pause the podcast and go watch it. Go watch it immediately after you finish listening. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really does stand out in this era. Like if you've seen any WWF from this time, like this match, like this is like an NWA match. With two just incredibly talented people doing it. Yeah. Matt, it sounds like you were trying to chime in. Okay, then. Uh <laughs> so this this ends with Savage losing the Intercontinental oh, title. Sorry. I think. Oh, sorry guys, okay. I was mute. I was muted there for a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I muted myself because I was I had a cough and I forgot to put myself back. Um, I was just saying like it it still holds up. Uh, it's not as like I guess if you're gonna watch like a, a groundbreaking New Japan match where they're doing like really avant garde type of stuff, strong style and everything. It doesn't, but I mean. It's still a great match. It still has a lot of emotion. And uh, for years and years and years, it was still kind of like the upper echelon or the like epitome of like a best 
match of the company or one of the best mania matches yeah i think yeah. it still goes into that list uh, mm-hmm. on a regular basis it just what what happens with so many of these best matches is you have to also take into account the context of the time yeah because you know ricky steamboat and randy savage were good like really good it's just they didn't if if your definition of good is a lot of acrobatic stuff then you're not going to find that here you're i would also say that you're you're probably missing a bigger picture but everyone enjoys different stuff um my my wife also says this is the best match she's ever seen so oh really I haven't shown her like some of like the longer stuff. She liked this better than Austin Hart and um, Mysterio Eddie. She said Mysterio Eddie at Bash at the Beach was almost as good. No, sorry, Halloween, Halloween Havoc. Havoc. Yep. She said it was almost as good as this, but not quite there. There's the the thing that sells the the Ray Eddie for me is the the mask aspect of it and the fact that. In the you don't get this in just watching the match, but in the build up, Eddie had been keep trying to steal Ray's mask, and at one point had like full on ripped it. So Ray's covering up so no one can see, and there's all, no, he, and that's why it's attached to his. He did suit. steal it. He did steal it at one point because Ray lost the match because Eddie ripped his mask off like while he was like in a in like a hold. I think he lost to Dean Malenko because eddie grabbed his mask so he pretty much lost because he was covering his face up oh okay that's that's why okay i was getting it mixed up but that's that's why he's wearing a full body suit with the mask attached to it and eddie kept going at it anyway so it's a um that's why i'm of the opinion that 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 there's just so much gravity in it but um you know they're products of the time you have to you have to have an idea of what the time is like because you know uh, yeah um i'm gonna forget his name uh the genius lanny poffo threw moonsaults back then but he was really the exception not the rule so you kind of have to have to have this idea of what what the time the context and the the environment was like then yeah so this is this is the end of of the Macho Man's like I think it's about fourteen months he had the belt. Mm-hmm. I think he won it in like early eighty six, maybe late eighty five. Okay. So this is this is Steamboat's like big victory moment, and this is Savage um, losing the belt. So this kind of takes us the the next part is a is kind of a I guess it's kind of become a meme promo. Because <laughs> there is a shirt based on this promo. Yep. And this wasn't dated, I but they do talk about him losing it at Mania Three, so I'm guessing this is within like it's the pretty month sh- afterwards. Yeah, it's pretty short. So this yeah. is this is Savage kind of talking about losing it and how he's gonna get the belt back. But the best part about this is he he obviously stopped by catering and stole all the creamer that could possibly be seen because <laughs> He keeps pulling out little coffee creamers <laughs> and then just like tossing them. And then he puts one in Mean Jean's pocket and then he's yeah. like balancing it on his head. He's got a visual aid. Um, yes. But yes, it was it was tremendous. Uh, two things I, I caught from this. Yeah, it is. It is like a meme promo at this point because it's kind of like so uh, kind of widely repeated. 
the cream of the crop. But uh, two things that struck me out. One, I think it was absolute genius of Savage to use those creamers as like a little prop. And the things that he did, like, I mean, I've seen this promo at some point in the past, but, you know, you just you forget about stuff. But as I was paying closer attention to it, because uh, we're reviewing it for the podcast, when he opened up Mean Gene's coat and just slid the creamer into like his like <laughs> lapel pocket, I was like, oh my God. It's such a silly little moment, but in like the context of this promo and interview, it was just uh, this extra little tidbit that was just so funny, but so unique and interesting. And it added to the whole context of it. It just adds to the um, it adds to the intensity, yeah. Because Macho Man, Macho Man's talking about being the cream and rising up, yeah. But as he's doing all this intense stuff, mm-hmm. he's doing these little things with these creamers that would be silly at any other point. But he's so intense and he's so into it that him doing weird stuff with it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So him being like. Yeah, we're we're talking about Macho Man taking back the Intercontinental Title, and it's and I'm gonna put this over here now because I'm done. And he's palming these things like he's gonna be on Penn and Teller. That really impressed me too. He kept pulling them out. I'm like, where the hell does he have them? He just kept he had, them, he had them all in his <laughs> left hand. Like if you watch his left hand through that whole thing, the way he's holding it the whole time, he's got them all right there, and that's where he keeps pulling them out of. These, yeah. They're all in that left hand. He's holding that left hand, the back of his hand, towards the camera the whole time. But it's it's a very I, – I, I enjoy the idea of Macho you know, going to do this. And he's, like Brad said, he stops by catering to get coffee creamers. We need these coffee creamers for a promo. You can drink it black tonight. It'll be okay. Wait, this is non-dairy. That defeats the point of the promo. How do you get cream from non-dairy? What is this nonsense? I'll just go with it. Yeah, I dig it. And um, I, I think I think Macho might have, if if someone had pointed that out to him, he probably would have said something like that. I also like Bean Gene here and how he just he just takes it when he puts it in like his pocket. Yeah, Mean Gene was a. Uh, I mean, he was just like a classic. Like he played Mean off. He was brilliant. Like, yeah, the way he knew how to play off everyone. Like and he knew how to get people over with his reactions to what they were doing. I need to I need to dig out one with Don Morocco mm-hmm. that he did because like he just outs himself as this perv because like <laughs> like Don Don Morocco is talking about like his beach bum lifestyle and like these big like girls and Mean Gene's like are they chubby and like you could just tell like he's like super into it. And and Don Morocco's like, Oh, they're like the chubbiest girls you'll ever see, mean gene. But just like he deserves, like he deserves, like he deserves more credit than he gets. Like someone once described it, like once and said, like I used to think he was just like a meaningless show guy, and then as an adult, I realized like how much he interacts and he actually brings more personality out of out of the wrestlers. He does. You have to kind of feel like be older and appreciate it because when we were watching. We were actually all too young to really appreciate it from the 80s. And we're just seeing, we had to see stuff, you know, like on, on Coliseum Home Video after the fact. And now through the magic of the network or through YouTube or whatever, we can kind of see it. But now as we're older, we can kind of appreciate all those little subtle things that he did. And like, how sometimes, 
I'm, I'm sorry, Sometimes, Brad. Give me just a second. Okay. Mean Gene was Mean Gene was an excellent for the the best way I can describe it in my head. The way it's labeled is as opposed to so many interviewers we have today, which are you know a wall painted white. Mean Gene was like excellent wallpaper because it complemented everything you put in front of it, and you have to be really talented to be able to recognize and highlight those things. That might be a bad metaphor, but that's what I'm sticking with. I was actually going to describe him as like a point guard in basketball that really runs the team well, where he just knows exactly where to put the ball where his teammates need it. Yeah, and it, that's a that's another good way of putting it is because he knew whenever to pass off to somebody else if a promo wasn't going well. or He's like, nah, I think this one's about done. Let's come over here. Or this yeah. guy, this guy's actively avoiding the microphone. We're not going to get him involved. So, hey guys. yeah. Yes, yes, Matt. Quick tribute to me, Gene. The ultimate uh. warrior. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I knew that was going to come up. Fuck. Fuck it. Second time that's come up on this show. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Wasn't that like the seventh take of that they did because the sign kept falling down? <laughs> I don't know. I think so. That's the story I heard. Uh, Mean Gene always said that they they put that one up there as a rib (laughs) on him, and he was really mad about it. Can I do one quick uh, final point? That's my second point. Is that uh, we've talked about it before recently on the show, and I hate to kind of beat a dead horse with this, but uh, this promo and many of the other promos and interviews that we watched through uh, are kind of working through the Mega Powers uh, saga here is... It, it really brutally to me highlighted guys who had actual like promo skills and just doing it based on their characters versus the scripted crap that you see yeah. nowadays where it's like, I mean, we talked about it a bit with like, I think kind of with the Dean Ambrose Jericho podcast, but that was one of his complaints. It's like, you're making me say lines that not only would I not say and my character wouldn't say, but like no normal human being would say these things. It's dumb. Right. But so, there's even there's even like layers to some of the shit they do. Like there's things that you never would notice, but when you watch it when you watch it all together in context, like there's shit they they're doing that we'll get to mm-hmm. that that they're actually foreshadowing things that happen six months down the road. Yeah. Yeah, it's either that or they're doing callbacks to their own stuff. It's a question of am I planning it ahead or am I going? I'm going to do something here. I want to call it back to what we did then. I don't know, yeah. but it could be either way. And there's also like the language is real, but they also use their language to like do other things. Like I said, maybe foreshadow something, maybe you know drop a hint, you know yeah. things like that. Well, and could, could who could write a promo for Randy Savage? Only Randy Savage. He's the only one that could. Nobody else could do it. We're going to get to it in a couple minutes, but when we get to the Snake Pit, the Snake Pit is a brilliant like exchange of like characters. Yeah. There. But we'll get to that. So, and, well actually the next the next part I thought was a brilliant angle in and of itself. When we get to the So up next we have um this is so if you're if you're following along this is from May 2nd, 1987. This is the Saturday night's main event. This was towards the end of the show, I think. Uh yeah, I think it was. 
So this is this is Ricky Steamboat defending the Intercontinental title against Hercules. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, why is this on a show about the Mega Powers? Well, the interesting thing, and I thought was actually a really um, original kind of idea, a lot of this is about... This match kind of exists, but it's more about Randy Savage and his watching this match. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's sitting in the back watching this. Don't you let him do this to you. Get, get up. Get up. Yeah, so, yeah. so the, the idea did behind you, this. I'm oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, well, I, did you guys, Um, I actually wound up watching this entire show. Okay. Uh, okay. Just because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I don't know, I just was kind of curious about it. Um, and this was actually like. A really interesting show um it had really like weird stuff like it had a kamala match versus jake the snake roberts <laughs> yeah um, they were they're getting ready to do kamala versus hogan in the summer so yeah and kamala up but before then there were randy savage uh he was still feuding kind of like with george Steele. it was a lumberjack match that was only like seven minutes long but it was like super it was actually really entertaining um, oh wow! I've, I've expressed before I don't really like lumberjack matches, but this one was kind of good because it had like the the faces like you know throwing uh, Randy back in, and Honky Tonk he- Man was in like full regalia to come out for this. Yeah, um, but Savage uh, before the Steamboat match, Savage did like this promo or something where I, I actually think it was with Mean Gene. He and Mean Gene's like you said you want like steamboat to win and he's like yeah yeah i want him to win because i want to be the one to beat him like i want to get my win back that's basically what he said yeah in the promo and i'm like you know what yes that makes perfect sense he's still not like he's not a phase he's not he he hasn't transitioned yet although i will say like people were starting to get red hot for him and i don't know i don't know if it's just because his character was so unique and he was so good and the Mania match was so awesome. But people started to... Re- you could you could tell. You could feel it. People were really starting to get like really red hot for Randy. Uh, but that made like logic sense. It's like he's still technically a heel. And he's like, yeah, I want Steamboat to beat Hercules. But it's only because I want, I want to beat him. I don't want Hercules to beat him. I'm the one who's going to take that Intercontinental title back. Right. And that makes so much logical sense. It was... It was... It was brilliant. Yeah. It's... It's kind of how it ultimately like his face turn kind of comes down to his obsession with the Intercontinental Championship turns him face. <laughs> yeah, uh, it oddly enough. Yeah, but he, his his fixation on it's mine. I have to prove my superiority, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it puts him at odds with other heels, which you didn't see that as much in this time period. Yeah. I also, I liked during this match, Bobby Heenan was really selling the um, neck injury that he got from um, Ken Patera, which happened. I just watched this TV like a couple years ago. And, and as you were saying, Matt, with Saturday night's main event, when you watch WWE TV, you, you live for a Saturday night's main event coming up on the schedule. The, um, in, in, dag on it, my train of thought is going to get away from me. I'm going to back up here, back up. I'm out. I'm out. So, so I think I think where this really kicks off with Savage is um, Hercules gets him in the it was a bear hug, right? Uh, full Nelson. Full Nelson. That's right. 
I, I, would, I had a picture in my mind. I couldn't put a word to it. And Savage kind of comes out and like grabs his leg and kind of pulls him off. And every and I think the best um, the best line is Bobby Heenan is yelling at him like, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> and then they go to commercial break and they come back and Savage is still out there. And um, but they've kind of they've kind of gotten him like he can't be near the ring. So a lot of the rest of the match is. You hear Savage kind of encouraging Steamboat along the way. Yeah. And so the match itself is okay-ish. It's not, it's not like blow away or anything, but for a TV match, it's pretty solid. So uh, Hercules gets the chain and um, chokes a, out St- Steamboat. I'm going to be and, honest with you. In watching, you know, it's pretty, like you said, it's pretty formula match for the time period. But then... Uh, Heenan tosses Hercules the chain and I can imagine I can imagine Hercules going why are you giving me the chain and Heenan goes because it's the finish you idiot (laughs) and then um, so he chokes him out and then Savage comes in the ring and they kind of do this what's he going to do which I think Vince was being intentionally dense here and to speak to what Matt was saying he goes up to give the elbow and the crowd like pops for it Mm mm-hmm yeah. And then he gives the elbow drop to Steamboat and they kind of we kind of go on from there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the feud continues. Um Yeah. But it was this was really interesting because it, it put Savage in kind of a tweener state. At least briefly. Yeah, they so there's a couple of things that I didn't put on here I'll talk about when we get to the, the next part. So then we go to uh I think this is I should have put the date on this. It's an episode of Superstars. I think it's from like, I want to say it's like six thirteen eighty seven or something. It's on YouTube if you if you look it up. So this is um, Ricky Steamboat versus the Honky Tonk Man for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, we get a nice little PSA from Ricky Steamboat at the start of this clip, telling <laughs> kids uh, you can get high without drugs. Which I don't know if he really should have gone that route because now we have kids sniffing glue. But you yeah. Know. <laughs> What can you do? <laughs> it was one of those very 80, 80s PSAs. So I I actually thought this was a better match than I remembered. Like, uh, they did their jobs of he beat up Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man would get some spots in. He gets a little too involved. Uh, um, he gets a little too involved messing with Jimmy Hart. So Honky Tonk Man kind of reverses a roll up by because he grabs the ropes and he puts his arm on the bottom rope bam honky tonk man is your new intercontinental champion yep i felt the the finish was kind of screwy and i don't i don't i don't feel like they got the best like angle on it or it felt kind of odd um i was glad they didn't do something stupid with him hitting like steamboat with the mega phone yeah so i, was glad I actually thought yeah that. i thought they were gonna go that route um Jesse was so good on commentary. <laughs> he really was. Like, hey, listening to some of this where it had Jesse and Vince on commentary, yeah. it, Jesse was just so good. Because he, he was, he obviously favored the heels, but again, he would break in and he would, he would actually work through and give like a logical explanation for things sometimes, or even kind of point out why he was against the faces, you know, because they were cheating yeah. or they were doing something he felt was wrong and it made sense and it just it added so much layers like i i he was great my favorite 
my favorite of all time is still probably Bobby, but Jesse was just so good. They did. They did on one of these. It was Bobby and Vince together, and that duo was terrible. I don't remember which one that was though. Now Vince just wouldn't play off of Heenan very well. Yeah. Vince is like, I don't like Vince as a commentator very much. He uh, he he he's, he's a little too he's a little too into the faces. Like I wish, like because if you if you watch Gorilla, I know I know Gorilla is a divisive person. But Gorilla's a more even keeled with it. Like he's obviously pulling for the faces, but he'll also like, you know, he also is willing to admit things where Vince isn't. Yeah. Um, how Vince was? I don't know. It it was a little bit obnoxious sometimes. <laughs> he's which is weird because Vince in the seventies is actually pretty solid. Vince was much more by himself and down the middle. Right. Um, it's it's kind of hard. Not he was okay on play by play, but when you had a character person like like Heenan with him, he just he wouldn't play off of him. No. And he got bad in like the '90s when he was starting to oversell and everything was like, you know, the one two, you know, like that. I can't I can't think of the exact terminology that he would do that got really obnoxious. Yeah. He wasn't doing yet here. What a maneuver! Over yeah. and over and over again. It's like, dude, what what? Back, back it up, back it up. Because so you're not telling me what the maneuver is. So I didn't put this next part on the schedule, but so after this, uh, Savage does like congratulate Honky Tonk Man in a backstage segment, and then they have like Honky Tonk Man doing a squash on wrestling challenge right after this and savage is like congratulating him and kind of talking about how he's going to go after hogan instead so then there is um i didn't put him on here but there's like segments where he's kind of talking about how he's aiming for bigger fish now and he's going to go after hulk hogan so that's kind of like what happens between this which is june and then where we kind of pick back up in august where um there's some there's starting to be some issues with um with the honky tonk man and Randy Savage. So we go to August 1st and uh Randy Savage is on Jake the Snake's uh, snake pit. Uh yes he is. It, this clip isn't terribly long, but it doesn't have to be. Well no, that's and I, that's one thing that's surprising when you watch old WWF TV is like the things you remember like Piper hitting Snooka with the um the coconut and like those Hogan and Andre on Piper's pit, like how that story unfolds. Like these segments are less than five minutes. Yeah. Cause they don't have to be long. Yeah. And, and like this old TV, it's like very snappy. It's like bang, bang, bang. Not like today where things just take forever. Yeah. Yeah. They drag on way too long. Yeah. It's that it's, it's really frustrating. <clears throat> so, uh, who can who can outline this segment for us? Uh, pretty much, uh, Jake the Snake has him on, and he's Jake's pretty much going, "Hey, buddy, like Honky Tonk Man's talking some shit about you, bro." <laughs> and Savage is like, "Savage is like, that's information." I don't know how he said it. Like, this is he pretty much says like, "This is the information I need to know." Like, I'm out of here, and then he kind of reiterates it. But that's pretty much what like the segment boils down to is like Jake's kind of like 
stirring the pot a bit, being like, "Hey, man, your bro's like saying, yeah, he's I better than you." I loved that because it was it was totally Jake instigating, <laughs> and it's like, you know, bro, like talking a lot of stuff. You can't let that happen, man. That's very Jake, can't, isn't it? Can't let that happen. Yeah. And um, I, the I have to be honest, I have never quite gotten past there's one macho man promo that happens later on much later on in his career he was in wcw team with sting where his answer was they they come back to do this promo and macho walks into the room and first thing he says to mean gene is i'm not talking and he'd pace around the whole time and sting or gene would say something and just macho would blur i'm not talking the whole time um I'm sorry, it's, it, everything that we do, that kind of doubles back on for me. I, I can't not hear him do that. So it's, um, I'm just throwing that in there for some flavor, I guess. Okay. And like I said, this is where you kind of see the crack. Um, the, this is where you kind of see the cracks in his... Because he doesn't actually really turn face. Like, that's the thing you have to understand about this angle is he doesn't turn face, he just takes on a heel. Like, even when you get to the... When we get to the end of this show, like, he cheats like a motherfucker in, in like, <laughs> that honky-tonk man match. Mm-hmm. Well, it's... We'll get there, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. So up next we have... This is, like, the next promo is, like, a bumper promo uh, for, like, a Montreal show where he's actually taking on the honky-tonk man. And this one I included because this is where you start hearing the honky tonk man's claiming he's better. Yeah. 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 That. Yeah. That's absolutely in here. So there's also like a feud recap at the end of this that recaps some things I couldn't find individually. So in this time frame, um, we'll go into that now. They kind of do the promo where where honky tonk man like kind of does that like you know Savage was good but I'm just a little bit better. And that's really what kicks it off. And then there's also a brilliant backstage segment with Randy Savage menacing Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Yeah, because cause, cause they were supposed to be on the same page, right? And now he's 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 talking at Hart. And if, if you've never seen Jimmy Hart like, or don't know the big deal about him, this is where his brilliance comes in because he sells the terror – like so well, yeah. I, I, if you didn't see a lot of Jimmy Hart's earlier stuff, then you've missed out because the later part of his career was, to use a TV tropism, flanderized. You know, he he kind of turned into just the most extreme parts of of his personality on TV, as opposed to all of the little things that Jimmy Hart was good at doing. And I think my favorite things I saw him do is when he won the Southern heavyweight title in Memphis <laughs> and like Jerry Lawler, like beat the piss out of him and he retained the belt by a DQ or something. And they're like, he, you know, Jimmy Hart's pretty much dead in the ring, but they, they're like raising his hand and his like minions are celebrating with him and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's you. You miss out on on that sort of stuff if you don't see any of the older things. 
Yeah. All right. What we got next? What? Where are we at? Where are we at here? Okay. So then we have. Um, it's kind of like a feature. You know that when they do those feature interviews, where they'd like come out in front of the crowd, like to the side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart are doing an interview, and Savage comes out and confronts them. And Savage is like, "Hey, why don't we just do it right now?" And he literally like walks through the crowd. And Honky Tonk Man's like, well, I'm not really dressed for it. And then he scurries away. Right. It's it's another in the chain of Savage's big thing was was the intensity. And so he's like, we're going to do this and I'm going to the ring right now. And I want you to understand that when I say that I drew my arm up like I was going to show off my bicep and then curled my hand to point forward in the way that Savage would do. Because Savage wouldn't just extend his arm and point. He'd raise it up, and he'd bring it back like like the hammer on a gun, and then he would point. But he wouldn't even extend his arm like to 90 degrees. He'd just kind of point like that. Because everything was very, very intense, but also tight and controlled kind of thing. And he just marches his way up there, and honkies sounding like honky-tonk, I'm not ready for this, I'm not dressed for it, I ain't going out there, I ain't going to do this, kind of thing. I thought honky-tonk man was actually really good in this segment. Mm-hmm. He was a good heel, don't get me wrong, but he's always, he's very much playing the, the cowardly heel thing. Yeah, and he's doing he's a, good a good job. job here. Yeah. yeah. So now we get into, the next part is, I would say, the the first big part in the Mega Powers angle. So we go to October 3rd, 1987, another Saturday night's main event, Honky Tonk Man defending the Intercontinental title against Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. So, Shad, why don't you take us away on this one? Honky versus Savage here. This one's interesting because they're going back and forth a lot. This doesn't have the, the regular match structure, really. Um, and, and so you have this match going, and they're going back and forth. And then... I think Savage came out and went after Hart, I think is what set it off. And he goes after Jimmy Hart a little bit. And then the Hart Foundation shows up. And Well then he he KO'd he KO'd Jimmy Hart and is like, that what Jimmy it was? Hart Okay. Yeah, because remember they kept doing the that like the cameraman was like right in Jimmy Hart's face and he was like dead like a possum. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and, and honky tonk man helped carried Jimmy Hart out and came back, which is a great heel move because he's like, I can do this and take a breather and then come back in while Savage paces around in the ring and wears himself out because he's just frustrated. Um, and and so it's, you know, the he comes back and they do that in, in a, as a way of having it in the commercial break, which was pretty clever. He comes back and um, Hart Foundation gets involved and jumps on him. And Honky Tonk's taken over. And we get to this. We don't really get an, an end on this. Like, there's, uh, I can't, it, there, there's, there, it, Savage wins by DQ, I think. Am I remembering yeah, correctly? Because the, the Heart Foundation, like, comes in and attacks him. That's what, yeah, okay, yeah. That's what I thought. Um, and so they're, like, getting ready. They're, they're um, stringing up. Like the Heart Foundation stringing up Savage, and Honky Tonk Man's got the guitar, and he'll like gesture with it, and he'll be like, "No, no, no, turn him this way," and he'll like wind up with it, and be like, "No, no, no, turn him this way." And he did this for so long, it was kind of starting to wear, until Miss Elizabeth comes in, and it's like trying to stop him, right? 
and like honky tonk runs her off basically like he doesn't i don't he he finally like pie faces her and she drops to the mat yeah but this is like because you he he tried like everything to like tried to talk her like into to getting out of the ring and then he kind of like pushes her out of the way then shoes her away is kind of like what happens yeah and and so which incidentally at the time was unheard of you didn't lay hands on miss elizabeth you didn't didn't do that you didn't put hands on her. I was actually, I, I guess I don't, I didn't really like remember. I remember, but I mean, I guess I kind of forgot uh, how big of a heel honky was, but I oh, guess man. I didn't realize like he was like top level heel. Like at that time, like he was one of their main heels and they gave him a lot of like focus and attention. He was so obnoxious. Oh, you hated him. Yes. I watching this. I hated him. Like what a, what a punk. Yeah. And they milk they milk this guitar shot though, and it was actually like really great. Like I thought he did some really great stuff here with it. Yeah, and this is something that I remembered as they're doing this um, from one of Foley's books. Foley says, you know, you watch Jeff Jarrett on TV, and he hits someone with something shaped like a tar- guitar, and there's a puff of baby powder, and everyone's fine. But Honky Tonk Man was carrying around real guitars, and like that's what screwed Jake's neck up. And he just he hauls off and caves the back of it in over Savage's head. Um. So, you know, it, it's a. Uh, you know, it, it. I mean, it. It had. It had the kind of gravity that Jarrett's doesn't, right? It, yeah. Because it it hits and it's not pop boom it's exploded everywhere it's a solid thunk and he goes down and then we we talked about this in preparation for the episode then we get this pivotal moment happening because i want to i want to preface this next part is um there are a few things i've ever seen that made uh hulk hogan look like a badass but this made him look like the ultimate like badass yeah, Elizabeth is dragging Hulk up the aisle, and Hulk's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Except he's Hogan, so he's overselling it just a little too much. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they, because they, the old uh, entryways kind of had a dog leg in them. And they turn that corner, and he looks up at the ring, and Hogan's got this thing where he's like, I'm throwing down, where he kind of, he juts his lower, his jaw forward. And he kind of make like once you see him do it, you'll see him do it forever. But he kind of sticks his lower jaw forward, and he doesn't stop for nothing. He just charges in there. That's a, like, that's a good point, actually. Now that you actually say that, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he kind of yeah, like just sets his and his eyes get real wide, and yeah. it's like that's oh, that's on. Yeah, oh, it's it, on. It's the exact face he makes when he hulks up. Like he he gives himself an underbite, and his eyes get real big. What, what his... I thought what I thought was made him a badass here, though, is is that's exactly what you described. But it's the there's not a second of hesitation. Like he sees the ring, and he's just like, "Oh no, this this isn't happening," and he just charges. Yeah, his facial like it is on. His facial expressions are actually really great in this because I, I mean, people talk a lot about Hogan. Uh, some of it deserved because sometimes he could get lazy. But uh, back in his prime, which was this time, I mean, I guess you could even extend it to 
the kind of NWO days because he kind of got a second life. But r- during his prime here, like his facials and everything, it sold emotions so well. And he had so much charisma. So when he comes out, when Elizabeth is taking him out to the to the ring, he's kind of, he has this like really just confused like. Well, I don't, uh, bro, brother. I don't even know where you're. Why, why you bring me out here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he sees what's going on, and you're right. He's like, uh, the the switch gets flipped, and it's on, and he yeah. just went to town. He, it's like no hesitation. Yeah, and it, you know, it, this was not a time when Hogan and Savage were on good terms, but Hogan looks up and see three guys beating up on one dude, and here comes the real American. Right, he's coming to fight for the rights of every man. And it's not like he just gets in the ring and, and starts laying them out. Like, they jump on him. And uh, was it Jesse or Bobby on commentary here? Uh, I think it... Because I think was, it was it Jesse. Was, because yeah, was I like the heel commentator was like, was like, well, they've got him now, but they can't let him get on his feet. Or exactly. They're, they're screwed. They were like, they've got to keep him down. If he gets onto his feet, this is finished. And what happens? Gets on his feet. He gets on his feet, and he starts doing the Hogan punches. He the, Hogan throws punches the same. He has thrown them the same way his whole life, and they well, feed you know, right into Savage, his. Savage. Savage did a lot of the work here. Like once Hogan got up, right? He did. I'm just saying. Hogan gets to his feet, and he starts throwing those those Hogan punches. He does. And it's kind of like a turret. He stands in one place and he pivots and he hits this guy and he hits this guy and he goes back and he hits this guy. And like one foot's planted and he's pivoting around that foot to hit people. But then once they're off Savage, Savage works his way back up. And these guys, they just, they, 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 for lack of a better term, they run wild. And what also needs to be said here is I loved Savage's, like, tortured, like, getting to his feet in the ropes after taking that guitar shot. Yeah. Like, there's a whole saga going on to the side of, like, Savage getting to his feet. And so then at the the end, they turn and they almost act like they're going to come to blows. And then Savage kind of makes the face turn here and offers Hogan a handshake. Um, I was going to say this earlier. Because I actually did this once in my careers. Through the course of the match, Savage is still being kind of heelish. But we get his turn is in that moment post-match. It doesn't happen during the match. It happens afterwards. And he gets up and he sees that Hogan has come to help him. And in that moment, he's like, you know what? I respect that so much. And he does he does the Randy Savage the same way Randy Savage points is how he lifts his hand for a handshake. <laughs> he lifts his hand up. And I know I was talking about Hogan's facials earlier, but both of the guys, their body language in this and their facial expressions are so good. And I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. we got to remember, these guys are playing to the live crowds. They're playing to the people in the back row. So their body language is going to be exaggerated their facial expressions are going to be exaggerated so that the people up in the back row can see what's going on and they can understand what's going on by that body language because they can't hear the announcers they don't have the camera right up in the face and that's like like matt said earlier his facial expression hogan's facial expressions were so good exactly because of that because he had he understood who you're playing to 
and they kind of circle each other a little bit and they're offering the handshake and they tease it really well. So, um, do, do we want to hit the promo now? Well, I want to, uh, Matt, do you have something you want to, you want to add in here? No, I want to hit the promo. Hit the promo, man. Cause it was, because it, it was very interesting to me. There's, there's like five different things that happen in this promo that, that were both hilarious, but also like just added to it. Like the fact that they're doing this promo and like Savage is like going for that handshake, but he pretty much has his hand in like Mean Gene's face like the whole time. <laughs> what were you going to say, Matt, about this promo? Uh, it, it really did. I, I guess I'm kind of thinking like now that I have the context of like the greater history I can see into the future because this is, you know, we are in the future and I could see the, like the, the, the time progression mm-hmm. from all of this, but seeing this, like, cause I think it really helped to have the course of the year and see how he, his turn is progressing and how he started off, you know, as the heel and then slowly has now been being made to be the face and just all of a sudden with him, like, oh, yeah, he's palling around with Hogan and everything like that. And Hogan doing his usual shtick. I was like, this is not right. Yeah. This is not right. And why is Savage, like, buddying up with him? Like, this is mm-hmm. not what Savage should be like. It's almost like Hogan brainwashed him. And Hogan's, like, taking the heat. He's taking the shine. And yeah. I didn't like it. I was like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Like, and it, it made me feel... Like, we'll get to it, obviously. Like, it's going to be a while before we get to that point, but it, it kind of made me think, you know what? Maybe Savage was right. Yeah. Maybe that Hogan just had jealous eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and they had the really good promo. They did the really good promo. You know, the mania and the madness come together promo. That was really good. And I, I enjoyed that a lot. So, did you guys, did you guys notice how this promo ended? I'm just curious. I, I need for you to be more specific because I'm like how they how the... they essentially how they essentially walked away. Um, not really. No. So they do the handshake and they essentially skip away like hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I didn't notice that. And also, this is like a huge promo, and I think this the video clip we watched, I might have watched on the event. It was less than two minutes, I think, for the promo. Yeah, it was It was not long at all. So then uh, the, final, the final thing we're going to get to here is there's a Honky Tonk Man, like, promo that's like the next week that kind of recaps things, but also, like, continues on his feud with Randy Savage. Um... Sadly, because I enjoyed their interactions, uh, we're going to be saying goodbye to the honky-tonk man for the most part. Um, Past this to get into real life, he refuses to um, lose the Intercontinental title to Randy Savage in, like, February. Yeah, there's a story behind it, but I'm not clear on what that story is. Uh, Honky-tonk man describes it pretty much like he... You know, at the time he thought like he was he was just looking out for himself. He said it didn't have anything to do with Savage. It was like how they were treating him at the time. Yeah. Um, hang on. Let me see what I can remember, because I think I heard the story once. 
it was something to the effect of if you take this off of me now, then you're going to release me in like three months. You'll be done with me or something like that. Well, yeah, Is because, that right? Because at the time, like when you were done as a heel, you were out the door. Like they were talking about rebuilding him, but you know, that didn't really happen at the time. So he was kind of trying to. How are you going to rebuild Honky Tonk Man? Right? What are you gonna What are you gonna do to to Honky Tonk Man to quote unquote rebuild him? Right? But pretty much like what happened is you got built up, you lost to the face, and then you pretty much so you came up, you beat the gatekeeper faces like you beat your Tito Santanas and you know your Tony Gurias, then you job to like Bob Backlund or to Hulk Hogan. So then after that, then you go back down and you lose to Tony Gurria and Tito Santana and you're out the door. That's kind of how WWF booking worked until like the 90s. Okay. So that it, it's really it, it's really a genius way to do it, though, because so you build your heels up and get them over by beating those guys. Then they lose to your top face. But then those guys you beat to get them there. They get something back as you're booting them out the door. Right. The yeah. Early 50-50 stuff, right? Yeah, in its own way. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I point out one thing that I caught with the, that kind of like out uh, honky promo? Yeah. He said something, which I was like, like I, I guess maybe the, the sign of today's times. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, you can... I don't know if you could really say that nowadays, but he kind of defended his actions, like pushing Elizabeth down and just being like uh, just a huge asshole towards Elizabeth in the mm-hmm. Savage match. And he's like, well, you know, she wanted to touch me. That's what I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. You can't yeah. say that. Right. Like, he, yeah. he victim blaming in a big way, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But here's the other thing. That would be exactly what you would have a heel do even oh, yeah. today. It's despicable. Oh, she wanted me. Like that she, she yeah. touched me. She's trying to put her hands on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's um Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. So what I'm glad I'm glad we went back further because, like I said, I, the reason this kind of extended backwards so much and included things like kind of the intercontinental title is you really needed to see kind of Savage's journey to that point, which I think was very key. Like you needed to see like the subtle like softening as time went. Yeah. Um, what was it? I, I think I said it before we got started, but Savage didn't so much as turn, but ended up taking on people worse than him. So kind yeah, of that's... turning by virtue of, I would say turning by virtue of comparison, but then not not exactly. That's not how it ended up. There's um Jim Cornette actually. I just listened to him talk about this on a podcast. It might have even been this week's um his drive through. Okay. He was talking about when you turn someone a, a heel face, they should, they should talk the same. They should act the same. They should even still cheat. It's just that now their targets a heel instead of a face. And then you can kind of like do the other stuff later. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause you don't, you don't take away the things that made people like that, uh, like that person to begin with. 
Like if you go if you go watch like um late eighties WCW when the Midnight Express first turned face, mm-hmm. that is pretty much a case of they're the exact same guys, but it's a case of yeah, they're assholes, but there are there are assholes. Yeah. Is kind of I think what you're getting with Savage here at first. At first. He kind of he has his 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 change is much more um subtle. It's really a lot of the subtlety is how he treats Miss Elizabeth is where a lot of it comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. There's well and I like on one hand, um you know, Matt has a really good point to to be like Macho with Hogan. What what's what's going on now? What's what's the deal? You know, are we seriously get, and but on the other hand, the fact that they built it up very intentionally. I choose to believe that they built this very slowly and very intentionally. Um the them doing that made it and then the his change like you were saying that as as time went by after his face turn, his change happening more slowly it's it's refreshing because there's been so many cases where we've seen be like oh this this guy's getting popular better turn him baby face and it changes his demeanor or his attitude immediately you know just on a dime he goes from it would be like steve austin going from being steve austin to coming out with a smile on his face and shaking people's hands and kissing babies and stuff like that and it just it, it would you know it just kills a lot of that stuff because you take you take away what what the people like. Yeah, and I have to say, like for part one, like I really I really enjoyed like what what we watched. Like it was really fascinating. It gave me a better appreciation of like honky and kind of. I didn't. I was not even aware of the savage honky feud. I'll, I won't even lie. So yeah, watching that was like totally worth it. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Well, would you do? You, do you guys have anything else to add to part one of our Mega Powers journey? Um, I don't really, because for me, this is a this is the appetizer. Like we know, we know what we're looking for. We know what we're looking forward to. Like this is going to be. This is going to be special, but it's it's yeah. done very well and it's very interesting going going into it. It's, I th- I feel like this is essential. Like this is essential flavoring. Yeah, it's you're you're kind of setting up for it. Yeah. So, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, this was I really actually appreciated this whole build up because the real meat and potatoes is coming kind of the next couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But having this background, I actually think helps because I didn't really remember, uh, the savage turn or how it happened. I just realized like back in the day, like, Oh, he was a, he's a good guy now. So yeah. Seeing how that actually progressed was actually really useful and interesting. So I'm really happy that we we went through and kind of did like the year before to kind of see how that all transpired. To see it, yeah, it's it's good to know how they got together as opposed to just being, oh, these two guys are teaming now. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot myself. 
I agree with you. So that is it for part one. Join us next week for part two. Um, just to give you a primer of kind of where we're going, we're going to pick up at Survivor Series 1987 and take you through SummerSlam 1988. All righty. Well, this is uh, Shad, Matt, and Brad. We're, we've been in three quarters. You've been in the fourth, brother. Yeah, let us hear about it, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.